is the person you turn to when you need advice, the person who gives you confidence and strength, the person who's been your biggest support, the person you shop with, ask their opinion and trust them implicitly. For me, it's... Hi, Ma. Hi, Del. As a mother and daughter, we know we have a close bond, but each mother and daughter relationship is unique and different, and that's exactly what we want to explore. Each week, we'll sit down with mothers and daughters and talk about their bond, from the ones who work together to others who have survived, shared passions, overcome loss, and in general, have a great relationship that is worth sharing. This is Mothers Mothers and Daughters Daughters Podcast. Podcast. Hi, Ma. Hi, Dal. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good week? Yes. Getting closer for <sighs> yeah. Cooper to go back. Go back to school? Yeah. One more week to go. That's pretty good. It is. My patience is wearing very thin at oh. the moment. Not long to go. No, not long to go. Good for, good for him. Mm. What are you most looking forward to? I've already got, well, having my hair done, yes. got that booked, mm-hmm. um, having a pedicure, that's what I really <laughs> like. It's the simple things More than, in life. I mean, manicure I don't mind, but I've been doing my own nails so, and they haven't been looking bad. But yeah. pedicure, I really miss that. Mm. Uh, going to a, a, We are already going to a restaurant next Saturday night. That'll be interesting. That's all right. We don't, we're going out next Sunday night, so we don't. Don't need you for babysitting. Oh, oh God, oh. got to get back on the babysitter train again. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh. It's all right. We're not going out Saturday night, so. And who's the in-laws? You I don't one? know. Oh, I haven't. Yeah, That's what I mean. I'm, oh. I feel so um, oh, I was gonna say, no, out of sync with babysitters. Oh, and sorry, I've already booked up to see friends, so oh. sorry about that. Here we go. Should have got in earlier. I know. Little social butterflies. Yeah, anyway. So, like, it'll just be interesting you know, life as a bit more normal. I mean, yeah. as you you know, all the listeners know now that I'm an interior designer and all the showrooms are going to mm. open back up next week. Um, they say to fully vaccinated, which yeah. I am, so that's not an issue and my clients are. Um, anyway, it'll be just interesting to see how everything yeah. is going to Interesting work. first week. Mm. Mm. It'll either be still super quiet or it'll be, Really hectic out Yeah. Don't know. Don't know. Have to wait and see. Have to wait and see. Yes. I'm going back to Joe Bailey. <laughs> it <laughs> didn't turn me off despite no. going into isolation because I still well, like to have my hair done. I was going to say a lot more people are vaccinated now. So yeah, the chances are getting slimmer and slimmer of getting COVID. It'll be just interesting. Mixing with somebody that's COVID. Well, it's just interesting being around people. That'll be an interesting one. mm People that you know, I think you have less social anxiety, but it's more just going out and being in a restaurant. It's been a very long time, as much as obviously there's takeaway, but that's not the same as sitting in a restaurant. No, no. So that will be interesting. Mm. On another note, our previous guest, Erin, and her amazing mum, Wendy, who was with us, and they, her daughter, Luella, has infantile spasm. We did want to do a bit of a shout-out for her because her and her husband, Dave, are going to be doing the City to Surf, and they're raising money for Epilepsy Australia and all the other families, not just themselves, who suffer with um, a child with infantile spasm. So best of luck, Erin and Dave, on 
the city to surf, which is on the 17th of October. <laughs> so sounds so unusual when it's always August. Yeah, no. I know. Anyway, it's good that it's still going on ahead. So that's great. That's right. And so if you head to her Instagram page, which is little.lulu.love, you will be able to be directed to the donation page and would highly recommend it. Um, if you aren't aware of her story, you can listen to the episode with her mum and also just look at Erin's Instagram page. She documents so beautifully the journey with Luella. Um, so it's a, a worthy cause that we will be contributing to as well. So we thank everybody else who will be joining us. Um, today's episode, or this week's episode, I should say, is a little bit different. I'm not part of it, yeah. which I, I, I do understand why. Yeah, so this week I had the pleasure of speaking to Danielle from a charity called Motherless Daughters and I wanted to, well, I reached out to her and she was very receptive to having an open conversation. I put it to her, was she comfortable with you obviously being on the episode, which she was, but knowing her audience, she said it is it might be triggering for some and so we decided to, to do her and I and after I recorded it with her and many tears later, um, I came downstairs and yes, I, gave I got a very nice such emotional a hug. <laughs> hug, which was really lovely. Yeah. I could see that obviously it had been yeah, a very emotional ride and very touching mm. and obviously very much appreciated having me which yes was I do very nice because it's something that I'm I am aware I don't like to think about those thoughts I yeah terrify me so to be in a position where at any age you lose your mum is very is very upsetting and it's amazing what Danielle has done with motherless daughters in the few short years that they've been around again another charity that unfortunately has suffered through COVID as well because obviously the support meetings with the different women haven't been able to take part. Obviously virtual ones mm. can, but it's incredible. She found the other founder through Facebook. Oh, really? She put it out there after her mum passed away saying, I've just lost my mum. I would really like to meet someone else in Victoria who's going through the same has to have a brother. Like she had all these, it was almost Criteria. Like yeah, it was almost like a dating service, she said. And when she met her, they spent seven hours just talking oh, and, nice? you know, they've helped each other through countless times, you know, not one is the mother over the other. They all sort of rotate with the core group of um, friends nice. that they have. So got a very uh, strong support network mm, now. Isn't yeah, and they all mother each other whenever they need it. Oh, so, you know, nice. if one's going through something, they all step up and act as the Lovely. mother figure. And so it is a very important episode. If Even if, you know, you're like me, very lucky to have your mum around, it's a really important episode to listen to because you may know someone who doesn't have their mum anymore. And I do ask her sort of what to say, what to do, what not to say, what not to do. In that situation, I've experienced that with, with a close friend and, you know, it's hard because 
you realize the privilege that you have when you have your mom and somebody else unfortunately loses theirs. So I would recommend listening to this episode and after you do just now because you can more than ever, go give your mom a hug, go out and have a meal with your mom after listening to this if you know, you're lucky enough to have your mum because it'll make you really appreciate them this That's episode. Well, I look forward to listening. Have a lovely week, everybody. Enjoy their freedom. freedoms yep. and um, stay safe and we'll see you next week. So to start, Danielle, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself? Yes, uh, I'm 32, almost 33. Uh, I grew up in a small town in Victoria along the, the coast in, in Inverloch. I'm a teacher. Um, I've got a younger brother. He's nine years younger than me. He's my absolute best friend. Well, that's so nice. Uh, yeah, we're very, very close. Um, I, I guess as a direct result of, of mum passing away, he was really young. Um, and... Uh, yeah, spend all my time just about working on uh, Motherless Daughters Australia now. So that's me in a nutshell. And are you still teaching as well as doing Motherless Daughters? I was uh, up until the middle of last year and mm. then we got a little bit of funding and I was able to um, be employed a couple of days a week and then we were lucky enough to partner with the Priceline Sisterhood Foundation uh, so that gave us a little bit more funding and I've, I'm now employed four days a week, which oh, is great. fantastic. It makes all the difference. I'm sure. And I was going to say being a teacher through lockdown, especially in Victoria, would be just so, uh, like just such awful. A, um, <laughs> I mean, I just feel, I mean, I have two young boys. Only one is homeschooling. One thankfully is still in daycare. <laughs> but yeah. watching how these teachers are doing it is just incredible and I just have such respect I mean I always did have respect for teachers but now even more so and I just I was like oh my god how are you doing it all teaching and running the charity because also obviously lockdown would also impact motherless daughters and and what you're able to be able to do yeah, well, last year in particular, you know, all of our events were cancelled mm. and um, particularly in our support group, we were seeing lots more messages um, of, you know, people being isolated and not being able to see their friends or their family who were their support beyond their mum passing away. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's tough for everybody and I think it's, you know, some people's circumstances also make it extra tough. Yeah. So it's just hopefully we're on the at the pointy end of it now. Hopefully because, yeah, dealing with grief it, on its own is just it's extremely difficult mm. and to think about it being completely isolated or having a funeral that isn't possible to have multiple people there, extended family, would just be an added grievance on top of that, which I just can't even imagine yeah I mean it's it will certainly add to um you know the layers of grief that people who have experienced those times types of funeral restrictions um it will certainly result in prolonged mm. grief unresolved grief and complex grief so I think it's I think the impact of, of COVID in various ways will will continue on for, for many years to come. 
For sure. Unfortunately, it's just one of those one of those things that we're going to have to yeah, deal with in the long run in in all sorts of ways that mm. we just you wouldn't think so, you know, everyone always thinks of the health just the impact of covid on someone's health at the time because that's all really we can do but then it's that long term it's that after you know once we kind of get to freedom or whatever that looks like yeah (laughs) not to rub it in for you being in victoria yet but you know but when we get there when you get there it's around the corner i'm sure but yeah it's just grief you know it is i guess everyone is is different as as you would attest to with with the women that you work with people's grief length would vary as it is so the thought that because of this it's even extended even further is just it's really heartbreaking to think yeah absolutely it's um it's definitely added to the complexities of normal grief if that's even a term I mean, yeah. but you know it it um yeah absolutely just make makes things a million times harder mm. so if you're comfortable i know hopefully you are i know you are because you've obviously set up motherless daughters and and spoken about this quite a bit so we'll go back can you share a bit about what your mum was like when you were growing yeah. up yeah uh mum Mum was Italian, so there was lots of cooking. Mm. I just have lots and lots of memories of uh, being in the kitchen with her cooking, mainly baking. She was a great baker, um, cakes and slices and and then dinner stuff like lasagnas and pastas and all sorts of things. It's amazing. Foods and like smells have such a, a kinship to memory. It's It's just, it's amazing. Like even if... You're out somewhere and you can smell something. You're like, oh, that smells like, and it brings back a memory. Mm. So I think that's, you know, it's nice to have, nice to have that, especially linked to food is such a, an integral part. I mean, in our, in, in my family as well, it's yeah the focus yeah. of, focus of the home more often than not. Yeah, for sure. And it's something I definitely turn to now and, and do when I'm, you know, feeling crappy or if I want to feel close to mum or, um, you know, I I don't really deviate from any of her recipes. Some people have said to me, oh, why don't you try doing it this way? Why don't you try doing it? And I think, shut up. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm never changing this because when I taste it, it's almost like my mum has cooked it for me. Yeah. So it's a huge part of my life and it's something I'll, I'll never change because that's, you know, that's one of the things that's all I have left. Mm. Did mm. you write down any recipes of hers? Because I know you were obviously her carer for a couple of years and did you think about that at the time of should I write things um, down? No, and I wish I did and mm. that that those thoughts only kind of come uh, a, a bit further down the track when you go to reach for those things and you think, oh, shit, like I didn't ask. And that leaves, that can leave you fit, well, me personally, and I know from seeing um, different comments in our support group and conversations, it can leave you feeling quite stupid. Mm. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't think to ask her this or ask her that. Um, I think in a way... 
I was really lucky because I was so active in the kitchen with her. Mum never used recipes anyway. It was all in her head and so I was just kind of. The feeling of, of yeah. ingredients as opposed to actually writing them down. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, a lot of that just I just absorbed mm. most of her recipes, which I'm really grateful for and, um, yeah, just try to. I've, I've written them down myself just from my head uh, so I don't forget. I don't think I'll ever forget but just in case. I do one day. Yeah, it's, it's good and it's it's nice to have that sort of connection, you know, even if it's out on paper and then you can pass it down. I think that's really yeah. nice. I mean, it's not quite the same, but I was very close to my grandmother, my dad's mom, and she was also, I mean, she loved cooking and she loved having us there with her, but she was very, like, secretive, almost like a 007 <laughs> in the kitchen. And... <laughs> Unfortunately, like we, d- I did, I do have a little recipe book of hers that she's written down, but like there's no method. So I'm like, yeah, thanks, <laughs> Nana. That's really like because she knew how to do it, obviously. Yeah. And and it's something that yeah, you know, you regret when you go to make something like, oh, I wish I did X. And you yeah. know, it's it's unfortunate. Hindsight is just one of the the hardest things I can imagine. That you absolutely always think about what are you? Yeah, for sure. Yes. What yep. do you remember of when your mum was first diagnosed? Uh, well, I was 21. Mm. Uh, it was just after my 21st birthday, actually. Mm. Um, there was lots and lots of medical negligence. Mm. Uh, and lots of misdiagnosis going on for about two months beforehand. And when we finally got the diagnosis, we were full of anger. Mm. Um, so that kind of took over a lot of a lot of that. That that was the emotion we felt initially. Um, it was an aggressive type of cancer. Mm. It was very rare, so there wasn't a lot of information. I mean, we were Googling, well, I was Googling like mad, as you do. Of course. Which isn't always helpful. (laughs) Google is like, it's a blessing. Uh, It's a double-edged sword, really. It's great and then not so great at the same time. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I freaked myself out a 100,000 times from, from Googling um you know she had a hysterectomy she started chemo once we had a bit of a plan you you had something to focus on uh but it was never to cure because it was aggressive and Mm. it was somewhat advanced so um the not knowing was was really was really hard but those those initial days I think just disbelief like you never think it's going to happen to to you or someone you know to your mum like your mum's your solid rock and invincible and 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 also your protector like that's just yeah at any age that's who they are and it would be just so hard and obviously your brother being nine years younger than you you Mm. probably felt torn almost looking after your mum and then also stepping up and being a, a mother figure for your brother Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we lived two hours from uh, the Peter Mac, which is a cancer centre in Melbourne. Um, so, you know, I would be driving her back and forth and, and Dad would be at home trying to keep Dean's life somewhat 
normal. Um, but certainly when, yeah, when she died, I mean, I, I kind of, I was the only female mm. figure in his life and, um, yeah, very protective of I'm him. Sure. And, and our relationship kind of, I mean, we're absolutely brother and sister, but our relationship kind of, the dynamic changed a little bit. Um, so I see him as my brother, but I also see him as not a son, obviously, but but sort of someone who, yeah, like someone who I fiercely protect. And God help anyone who touches him, because yeah. I will kill you. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's just. I mean, taught him how to drive on his hours, mm. and took him to get his peas, and you know, supported him through VCE and those things that a mum does. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really lucky that I was able to be there for him and, and grateful for that. But, you know, I wish mum could have, yeah, could have done that. of course. Do you feel like because you were 21 at the time and mm. when your mum was diagnosed and then 23 when your mum passed away, uh, do you feel like you grew up faster than you probably, I mean, than you probably would have? Absolutely. I I had a really, um, while well, I was at uni, right, mm. I was out drinking and yeah. getting drunk. Which is what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and, you know, leaving assignments to the last minute and telling mum I looked fabulous in this bloody tight thing dress that barely covered my bum and she was like, you look awful, you need to take that off and like, shut up, mum, what do you know, I'm going to a uni. Like that was, yeah, you know, and, and then all of a sudden to have that life just completely turned upside down and um, a sense of maturity, mm. I guess, come over me o- overnight almost. Um, and, yeah, I did pull away from friends and um uni the uni life yeah as such because my my priorities changed and my perspective shifted uh, so I was no longer going out and doing those things I didn't want to mm. either um and also you know I was no longer carefree like all my friends seemed to be I was you saw that down at Peter ha- Mac and, and you saw how fragile life was exactly so, yeah, I, I, I no longer had much in common with them anymore at all, really. Do you feel like your friend circle changed after that or did you kind of come back afterwards or you feel like um, you just started a fr- I mean, I'm sure you had friends from high school and things like that, but do you feel like you kind of wanted to wipe the slate clean or try find a friend group that – maybe had gone through the same kind of loss that you had? Yeah. So for the first six to 12 months after mum died, I had a, I was in a relationship and the, a lot of my time was spent with him and he turned out to be horrible. So thank God I woke up and got rid of him, but he kind of filled a void Yeah. for that six to 12 months. I, I was still in contact with friends but they kind of shifted from friends to more so acquaintances. And I still am quite close with a couple of them, but that's kind of come back over Mm. time. Um, And I guess when that, that very immature and childish relationship fell apart with, with my partner at the time, 
uh, I that's when I felt like I kind of hit rock bottom and mm. I was, you know, didn't care what I did, didn't care about getting up, having a shower, didn't want to do anything. And that's that's when I was like, this is awful. Mm. How am I going to get on in life? How am I going to relate to anybody else my age ever again? I wanted to find somebody who had also lost their mum mm. at that point. Do you feel like um, that relationship delayed your grief, I mean, it's not that you weren't grieving at the time, but do you think it kind of just masked what you Absolutely. were feeling? Yeah. He was he was an escape. Mm. Like he lived in Melbourne. I was still in Inverloch, so I'd just go to Melbourne most weekends and, you know, when I was away from our house, I could live in denial. Yeah. And in my mind, oh, mum's at home cooking and hanging out the washing or yeah. she's in doing the grocery shopping or looking after Dean. And I was, I could just live in fantasy land for a couple of days. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was, I was totally consumed by my grief, but probably in a very unhealthy coping way, um, which, which is fine. You know, everyone I've has to, to accept. And now, exactly. you know, you've got the tools in your tool belt now and you've been able to create motherless daughters Australia for everybody else to go through it. So you've kind of maybe had you not, maybe you wouldn't have necessarily created this amazing, you know, charity and support for women. So it's sort of sometimes we just have to take the silver linings of what we've been through. Absolutely. Like, you know, coming to that realisation that I I wanted somebody else in my shoes um, was was a kind of a turning point for me because I went in search for that and mm. I found somebody and that, that was the catalyst for starting MDA and it, you know, the, the core group of girls that I have in my life now who I've met through MDA um, who have experienced the loss of their mum, absolutely it, it doesn't completely fill the void and nobody and nothing ever can. Sure. But, but it's given me, Eloise in particular, the co-founder of MDA, they, they give me... They're like a, a, a blanket yeah. that's wrapping Security me up blanket. and providing me yeah. comfort. Yeah. And I guess we can, let's jump to talk about that. How did MDA come about? Yeah, I um, was sitting on my bedroom floor one day bawling my eyes out and was in a grief group on, on Facebook. So I posted in there and I just said, who else is in Melbourne who has lost their mum? You need to have brothers <laughs> and um, <laughs> you need to be in Melbourne. Just lots uh, of, lots of, it's almost like a reverse dating selection site. process. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've looked for support and there's nothing and this is what I want to do and I'd love to connect with someone. And thank God Eloise wrote back that day and, um, I've screenshot those posts from way back in 2013 and I'll cherish them forever because she just saved my life, really. Um, this is where I'll get upset <sighs> talking about her. Um, yeah, look, she commented and said, yep, that's me and I have brothers. Um, she was 13 when her mum mm. died. 
And uh, we met not long after that in a cafe in Melbourne and um, we sat in that cafe in excess of seven hours. Oh, wow. And we had breakfast, lunch and dinner together just about um, just connected on a level that is really indescribable. Um, I, I, I can't really put into words or articulate what that meeting was like for me and, and the kind of reassurance and um, affirmation that gave me. Uh, and, yeah, we we started MDA together and be- have become, you know, just the best of friends. I was bridesmaid in her wedding not long after that and, um, yeah, we just share. We're, we're just so lucky to be on this together because, you know, there's so many women out there. There's 3.7 million of them out there who have lost their mum and, you know, hundreds of thousands of them don't know about us yet. Um, and to find that person and, and a group of women is is so powerful. It's like winning the lottery because you probably felt heard for the first time in such a, you know, since losing your mum, because you can have friends and you can have family, of course, and they're always wanting to support you. And it's the same with your brother. He had, you know, he also lost his mother, but it's a different experience because it's a different relationship, you know, because mother and son and mother and daughter, and they're different and different personalities. Mm-hmm. And same with your friends. They want to be empathetic and they want to help you. But at the same time, they can't understand because they still got their parents thankfully mm-hmm. and so for you to find that in someone who is a complete stranger you already had so much in common that you probably just felt safe with her from the moment you met absolutely yeah I think that was you described it perfectly um I yeah I felt heard I felt understood validated justified um reassured all of those things that only somebody else in that position who had also lost their mum could provide me and who I would listen to mm. and believe. Um, yeah, it, completely life-changing for me. So from that initial meeting, how long after did then Motherless Daughters Australia become, oh, I guess, what it is today? Because A thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we met in 2013 and we we knew nothing. Like we did not know what the hell we were doing. We knew we wanted to start a not-for-profit but had no idea where to start. Eloise worked in pharmacy and, and I was teaching, so zero experience or knowledge in that <laughs> sector. Um, so for the first few years it was researching and you know, trying to understand a whole new language. God, there's so much jargon out there about mm. on the ATO website and the ACNC and you just don't get it unless you know what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, so we kind of didn't really get our act together until oh, 2016 um, and then in 2017 the very first uh, high tea was organised, Eloise organised that, and, and 14 people turned up mm. and four of them came from interstate Wow! Um, into Melbourne. So that was what we, well, we that, that seeing women flying from interstate was really um, confirmed to us that people need this, women mm. need this. If they're flying in from interstate and they're spending it, you know, Upwards of three hundred yeah. bucks on a 
on flights, on flights to come in, they must need it. So, yeah, that was kind of the, the point in time where we thought we really need to formalise this. So we went and got ourselves a board of directors and went through all the formalised registration processes and um, formally registered and um um, you know, completed all of that process in April of 2018. And just very recently, last year in October, we got um, DGR status, which means that people can donate and claim their donation back on tax. Amazing. Um, which is, you know, what charities need in, in order to be sustainable. 100%. And especially now during COVID times, it's something that unfortunately gets a bit forgotten and not from anyone's lack of empathy but it's just when people are struggling or working from home or unsure charity unfortunately is falls by the wayside Mm. yeah yeah for sure um and yeah fast forward to where where we are today we've got a a network of over five thousand women as i said before we've done some research we know that there's 3.7 million women out there 1.2 1.2 million of those lost their mum before the age of 44. Wow. Um, we have a range of initiatives and um, support programs available and we have in-person events, COVID permitting, um, which are, are great opportunities for women who are complete strangers to come together and, and when they do it's just, yeah, the atmosphere is incredible. I can only imagine. and. In between then, obviously, were you mostly active on social media before everything became formalised? It was that the best way of communicating with the other women that you now support on a more, I guess, in inverted commas, formal basis? Yeah, absolutely. And our our platform is still largely on social media. Um, So it was really... I mean, we had no budget, so our growth and our reach has all been purely organic and word of mouth and people sharing and just having a really nice experience when they come to us. So we've been really lucky that, um, you know, it's been really well-received and welcomed and our community are just the greatest group of advocates. Mm-hmm. They really, um, yeah, they, they are really instrumental in helping us reach more and more women. Do you think creating... MDA helped your grief and Eloise's, I mean, you don't have to speak on her behalf, but do you think it helped the grief process kind of setting that up, knowing you're helping other women, you know, go through the grief process themselves? Absolutely. I think it gave us purpose and direction and, um, you know, if we can use our loss and experience and grief to help make life a little less lonely and isolated mm. for others than kind of, you know, our mums didn't die in vain mm. and it wasn't a pointless thing that happened that's just, you know, left left us with no way of moving forward. It's, yeah. it's helped us, yeah, I think purpose and direction has been um has been the biggest takeaway of it for us. Do you think you've learnt anything from experiencing with these women that you have obviously do do to pass on to somebody else who's, you know, knowing unfortunately like if their mum's been given a terminal diagnosis, what they can do in preparation of losing their mum? 
Yeah, we we actually have um, it's quite a lot of women in our support group at the moment whose mums are in palliative care. Mm. So it's really beautiful that they can find us and then they get access to over, you know, the 5,000 women in that group who can help really guide Mm. them through this time and answer questions and say, ask your mum this, record her voice, take her fingerprint, ask her where she bought her wedding dress, ask her, you know, pregnancy questions, all of those things that we think of because we're further down the track yeah. that we wish we had have asked. And it's we're in such a privileged privileged position to be able to really help shape somebody's experience at that point in time mm. to help avoid them getting to where we are. And then they they're not looking back and going, I wish I had have done this or that. Yeah. You can kind of really guide and support them during that that time. And yeah, it's 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 just so nice that we are able to to use our awful, um, horrible loss and great loss um, to to really help somebody else. And is that the? I mean, that's probably the biggest takeaway for you. Did you feel like in the two years? you were caring for your mum and helping her, obviously driving her backwards and forwards. Do you feel like, because you were so young at the time, did you kind of push it aside and go, I don't want to ask these things because I don't want this to be real? Like I, I don't want to accept that this is not going to happen? Um, maybe a little bit of that, but I actually, like if I think back because it's 12 years ago now mm. nearly, I, I just didn't think that she was going to die. Yeah. Like I just, and I don't know if my brain wouldn't let me go there or if I just genuinely believed she wasn't going to die because, mm. like, that's my mum and mums don't die yet. She'll be fine. Yeah. 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 Um, but there was also a bit of I just didn't think to ask those questions. It's only that I move through life and I, you know, like I'm 33 in December. She was 33 when she had me. Mm. So I think, oh, I wish I had have asked her, you know, this, this, this and this, but I would never have known to ask those things back when I was 23 anyway. No, you don't. And you can't forward think because you live also you're trying to live in the moment as well and you wouldn't forward plan thinking, oh, yeah, like kids and stuff like that. You're probably thinking, okay, I need to get her to the doctor and then I need to do my uni assignment and then I need to help dad or whatever, you know, like you you just, it's unfortunate that the day-to-day life kind of takes away from that process. It's not until you get the time, which is unfortunately the too late side yeah. of it. And I was so focused on trying to fix her mm. and cure her. Like I was in research, like I just turned into this medical researcher So I was just looking, you know, my focus was I need to cure you and I need to keep you alive. Yeah. Um, So that was my focus. Do you, I mean, your relationship growing growing up, do you feel like you remember enough or do you kind of chat to your dad to kind of get that remembrance? Yeah, I, I talk about her all the time. Um, especially with Eloise and my my brother, uh, mainly with Dean 
so that he remembers her. Yeah. Because um, he, he was 12 when diagnosed and 14 when she died. So I don't remember anything when I was 12 or 14. So it's hard, And it's hard when you, if you're going through also a traumatic phase, you you know, like when your brain's developing, especially as a teenager, it's just, yeah, it's not, not necessarily yeah. the time that you're going to remember. Yeah. I mean, I, I must admit though, I am still, my memory is largely still consumed by her final weeks of her being in the ICU and, and that's normal. You know, occasionally I'll get other memories creeping. If I really think or look at photos to yeah. prompt me, I can think of things. But when I think of mum, I think of her in the ICU and I know that's incredibly common um, and something that lots of other people experience as well. But, you know, sometimes I, after 10 years sometimes, and this is awful, I hate this, but sometimes I forget what it's like to have a mum. Mm. Um, and I think the hardest thing is losing that person who is your biggest advocate. I mean, yeah. dad's dad's dad, but dad's a guy. Yeah, dads are great, you know, not, taking, a away, not taking away. <laughs> I mean, my dad's great and, you know, and he listens obviously. So, you know, I, I do have to give yeah. him a lot of credit because, you know, I am also a daddy's girl 100%. But when you grow up, as you get older, you both become women. And so then the dynamic definitely changes that you're not, yes, always there is always going to be a mother-daughter aspect and parent-child aspect. But once you both become women, it's more more a relationship as a friend. And to not have that, you can't, you can't, as you say, you can't replace that with anybody else and it's great that you've got Eloise to give you that comfort that you need mm. but it's just it's yeah it's 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 a very hard thing to replace a, a, yeah a and I, absolutely you can't and you know sometimes we get people saying well I've certainly had people say to me oh you know I, I, I'm here for you and I can be your mum that is the most offensive thing yeah. you could ever say to someone who has lost their mum <laughs> Just, I'm just putting that out there. So that's, that's it, the biggest takeaway for anybody out there that thinks that's <laughs> the right thing to say, which, you know. Don't say that. Because everyone, you know, that's, I mean, that's one of the things that I did want to ask you is what what you do, you know, what do you say that is actually beneficial to the person who's lost their mum? Because everyone in their head is thinking, you know, you do think you're trying to think for the other person, but actually you do think for yourself you're like you're kind of trying to help yourself and so what have you learned obviously just from your own experience plus obviously all the years you've done with MDA what is that probably is never the right thing to say to someone but what is the most helpful thing to say to to someone Mm. um I think you know maybe it's easy to answer of what the the things that aren't helpful yeah (laughs) and then I can I can touch on the things that are good you know we hate things like she's in a better place Mm. or God has a plan or you know um just platitudes like that Mm. Really unhelpful, really just makes us want to smash you in the face yeah. if you say that to no, us. I, I I'm 100%, being incredibly blunt. hundred <laughs> percent um, agree with you. I think it's, and, you know, I can hear it and I go, yeah, that if you're going through grief, that's just, just not, not. Yeah. 
Yeah, not at all. No. Or, you know, but she would want you to be strong or she wouldn't want you to be upset. That that really changes the perspective and, and it, it dismisses how mm. the person grieving. Because you should. Is it, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's actually not about what our mums would want. I feel, you know, when I'm feeling upset, I actually don't care what my mum would want. Like I'm upset because she's not, not there. here. Mm. And I know I'm speak, I can speak on behalf of hundreds of women when I say these things. So um, I feel very confident in in um, giving this advice. What we absolutely love and we would just love our support network and people around us to say and we would love them forever and ever and ever if they did this is ask about our mum. Like, yeah. you know, tell us a story about our mum if you have one. Um, you know, let us say her name. Let us talk about her. It's it, it's not it's not something that we don't want to talk about. Mm. We're not going to be upset if you ask us about her. Like that's what we we want to keep her alive. Yeah, and the memories um, are are that absolutely. And you know, I think a really lovely thing that as a friend that you can do for your friend that has lost her mum is right. You don't have to just have dates in your head, but save the mm. date in your phone, like yeah. put their mum's birthday in your phone, the anniversary in their phone, um, you know, and, and just let them know that you're thinking of them on those days yeah. well beyond, you know, the initial, the initial day that date. she died and funeral. And it's after that. Of course, and it's all the years. And because it's it's also, it's all those like significant days. It's the same for your birthday or if you have a significant milestone. It, it works the same way because there's that piece of you that unfortunately isn't there to experience it with you. And, it, yeah, it, it kind of, it makes you realise like a, you know, someone I've known for a long time also, her mum's passed away. And I always, you know, as much as Mother's Day can get, and we can go on to that after, Mother's Day does get a bit busy in my house. I always make sure to message her in the morning to say, yeah. I'm thinking of you. And I know when her, the, the anniversary of her passing was New Year's Day. So I, it mm. always, like it, it triggers in my mind. So I always message her and say, you know, just thinking of you. And it's not, and that's not really much out of my day to send a text message, you know, that's, it's nothing. It's, you know, you send text yeah. messages in the blink of an eye. So it's important to kind of, yeah, get that message out there. But yeah, just kind of keep those dates. Acknowledge it. Yeah. And yeah. if people have, you know, for the people who maybe not necessarily your friends, but people who know your mum, do you feel like them telling you stories is also a kind of a good sort of way of talking to you rather than, oh, mum would have wanted you to feel X, Y, and Z. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, recently I, I reached out to somebody that mum used to work with when she was in her 20s um, and, you know, this man is now in his 60s and I got his number through talking. I just messaged him, hi, I know you worked with my mum. I, I want to know anything you can tell me about her. And he was like, of course, no problem, let's catch up. Like he doesn't know me from a bar of soap. But that those snippets that other people can give you because they've got different perspectives mm. of my mum. You know, I was young when I knew mum. I didn't know. She just died as we were, our relationship was changing. Yeah. 
Um, so yes, to hear to hear stories about her or snippets of her of what other people thought about her, it just helps us piece together those pieces of the puzzle that yeah. we didn't don't have. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I think I just think any opportunity that you can partake in to keep someone's mum alive will will mean more to them than you could ever imagine. Yeah. And on the topic of Mother's Day, what obviously from your experience, what what is that like? And then obviously now with MDA, how has it changed at all how you feel about Mother's Day? I learned something about Mother's Day of quite a few years ago that changed Mother's Day for me, and that that is that the history of Mother's Day um, is is very different to what some people might think it, it is. Mother's Day was started by a woman called Anna Jarvis, and it was actually started in honour of her mum who had died. Wow. And um, and then obviously it became very commercialised and its meaning changed and she tried to abolish Mother's Day because the meaning had changed. Um, so every year we share that piece of information with our community and and it's certainly, I mean, it's not to rain on the Mother's Day parade no. in any way because mums are so important and they should be celebrated and we still celebrate mums. We just do it in a different way. Yeah. Um, but sometimes having that piece of information can make all the difference. So what was a day that I, you know, absolutely hated, I now have a sense of ownership of. Yeah. And it's changed the meaning for me um, and I know for others in our network it has also. But, you know, things like Mother's Day and birthdays and anniversaries, the lead-up is always often much harder than the actual day. Yeah. Um, Mother's Day in particular is really difficult because you get on social media and you see everybody it's uploading like the, photos. It's the week before, you know, and, yeah. then, and the commercial aspect which you know, everyone, it happens, you know, all the time with those kind of things, those kind of holidays that it becomes commercialised that, yes, you end up seeing it almost two weeks in advance. Mm. And, yeah, it is something that I think we've become slightly more aware of, at least mum and I have, having started this, not Mm -hmm. just in celebration of but realising that, yeah, there are also different kinds of relationships. There are, you know, the ones where, the mother is no longer there and also the ones where they don't have that relationship with their mum at all and that adds that extra layer of of grief or upset, you know, on a day that, yeah, as you say, the origins are completely different to what they are celebrated now. Mm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And do you feel like in those first few days after your mum passed away, do you have any recollection of that or do you feel like you've parked it away for the time um yeah I I think I was because she died in hospital in the ICU um it kind of allowed me to live in a bit of denial Mm -hmm. for a while because when I came home I know I knew obviously I knew she had died but she was still at the hospital yeah um, 
And then, you know, when you're planning the funeral and and those types of formalities, you're very busy Mm. um, and you've got everybody ringing and bombarding and visiting. So it really keeps you distracted. And one thing I say to everybody in those early days is the shock will carry you through. Yeah. Um, And it's so true. It, It just... It just really does. I, I don't remember doing anything other than having visitors, mm. being incredibly tired but not being able to sleep yeah. and planning a funeral. Um, and then everybody disappears. Yeah, I think and that, that's when that's it's hard. hard. Yeah, and, you know, and it's not for a lack of caring, obviously. You know, it's the same in, in the Jewish faith, which we are. You have seven days where you have visitors come in and come in and then obviously after that it all quietens down and then you think Mm. now you really have that chance to think about it Mm -hmm. and that's probably when you would rather have not busloads of people coming in obviously but you still want those people there to kind of just even if it's just checking in on you I assume is is probably Mm -hmm. what you want what you needed in that time more than anything else or someone just to see it like even if that was all you needed yeah for sure I think that's um I think that's something that we need to get better at as humans like and we need to develop our emotional intelligence in that space because you know a person is incredibly busy for the days following a person dying it is after the funeral that that's when you need to keep checking in. That's when you need to keep visiting. Of uh, You know, the amount of people that said to me, I'm here for you, I promise I'm here, I never heard from them again. Yeah. Like I just think it's really important to be mindful of what you choose to say during a person's time of greatest need if you have no intention of following through on that yeah. because we literally hang on those every word. I'm sure. And, and, and uh, you, you've got nothing, like you've got nothing else at the time, you just probably can't think of anything else other yeah. than, okay, X, Y, and Z is going to check in on me. So, you know, I've got that like. Exactly. Yeah. Accountability. Almost accountability. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. be, to be sort of, you know, it's not even like you have to be like, I am okay, but at least, you know, someone's there on the other side. And then if that disappears and it's like an additional loss that you didn't need to go through. Exactly, exactly. And anger and resentment and all the, you know, you you can get very jealous of people who, you know, lots of people shy away from jealousy as an emotion, but I'm all about normalising jealousy. I think it's you can't help what you feel. That's right. And and I think at those particular times you get very jealous that people get to go home and move on with their life and, and their life is undisrupted and yours is in complete ruins yeah um so yeah I think I think it's just really important to be aware that if you're going to commit to supporting your friend or or somebody it's got to be in an ongoing way beyond that initial initial time yeah and for women out there who might have might be experiencing obviously their mum going through palliative care, as you mentioned, mm. or have lost their mum. What's the best way to engage with motherless daughters? Does it like even if someone's lost their mum a couple of years ago, 
what would you say to women who might not necessarily realize that their grief is like holding them back and they're not able to kind of have that support? Yeah, I I think, I mean, we're we're not clinical in any way, which makes it easier to Mm. reach out. Um, You know, we're on Facebook and, and Instagram and our support group is based on Facebook as well. And I mean, if, if you think you might need the support but you're not quite ready to put yourself out there, you can always join and just be dormant in that yeah. group and just read. I mean, we have lots of women who, um, you know, post and in their post will say, you know, hi, I've been in here for a couple of years. I've just been reading and now I've finally decided to post. But they've expressed how much just reading other mm. people's posts have helped and made them feel less isolated or normal in their feelings. Um, so I think just just knowing you're part of something or you have access to it, you know, information or other people's experiences can be helpful in itself. And yeah, for those who whose mum is in is in palliative care, it's it's a really safe place to come in and just say exactly that i mean i've seen the way women respond to those sorts of posts in particular and it's yeah it's 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 really it's really beautiful and that's i think that's probably you know the best message is that everyone has been in the same situation you know they would not necessarily have different age groups obviously and different experiences in terms of you know the loss of their mum but you everyone shares that common that common feeling and mm. it's probably yeah it, you know it's the best thing for them is to just have that shared experience even as you say if they're passively reading not posting i think it's a great sort of message to get out there that you can still be supported without necessarily putting your story out yes, there sir. absolutely yeah yeah, and I mean on our on our website also there's a there's a couple of initiatives there that that don't necessarily involve putting your story out for hundreds of people to read. We can connect you, you know, we can connect women one on one as well based on um, age and circumstance and location. So there's a few different options if you're you know a little bit reserved or hesitant to kind of be so out, out there, there with your yeah. And what, obviously, do you feel like now you share your story, do you feel like your relationship with your mom, do you feel like you've taken on an almost motherly role to the other women that have come on board with you along this journey? Because, I mean, you were only 23 at the time, so you kind of like, you know, yeah, some people are mums at 23, but, you know, your mum was as you say, 33, so it's, a you know, it's sort mm. of like a big difference. Do you feel like you kind of stepped up that motherly role as, as obviously like with your brother, but do you feel like that that gives you, you know, w- warms your heart? It probably It's not going to change your circumstance, but do you feel like it's kind of given you an extra sort of new lease on, on your experience? Um, I, I think it's been very, um, 
like it's almost a natural response I've had in relation to Dean. Mm. I know with Eloise and, you know, I've got a cousin who also lost her mum really young and then my, my other core group of friends, we kind of mother each other. When um, each other needs probably. Yeah. Yeah. So one of them recently just resigned from her job and got a new job and, you know, so we kind of give her what you, you would go to your mum and you say that sort yeah. of stuff to your mum and, and so we kind of step in and say, you know, play that kind of role or, for example, Eloise, um, when we're together, I'll just put my leg up on her lap and I'll say, can you rub my leg? Like, <laughs> That's what a mum would do, yeah. like, if you wanted her to, um, you know. So we we try and 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 do those things for each other and, um, yeah, I, I guess it's just those little, those little things that we can do to try and, and help. It's, as I said before, it's never, it's never going to replace, but it's a little bit of comfort. Yeah. And... We did have a couple of questions from our audience. So someone said a friend has lost her mum and she's withdrawn and shied away from life. What can I do to help her um, as her close friends who obviously still have their mums mm-hmm. present in their lives? Yeah, I think, um, you know, as I was saying earlier, just reach out and let her know that you're there. Ask about her mum. You know, try really, really hard to be mindful of your language and not to dismiss or discount anything that she says. Um, you know, whatever she, whatever she feels is how she feels, and it can't be helped. I think it, it look, it is hard to support somebody grieving. It, it really is. But you know, I think just, just keeping yourself accountable to what you say you know if if you're gonna say I'm here for you make sure that you are yeah um save the dates in your phone so that you can be aware of them I mean it's hard to go and visit in in lockdown or wherever the the location might be yeah I would say yeah that's that's probably also part of it is that yes now it's sort of like you're not sure if someone's shied away or it's just circumstance and you can't necessarily yeah. see them face-to-face anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a really great fact sheet on our website um, that that kind of guides you and supports you on how to, how to support someone you know who has lost their mum. So just you can only do your best um, in, in, in supporting somebody, but just making sure that you stay true to what you say, I think is really important. Yeah. And I mean, we've definitely covered this, but what advice would you give Mm. to friends in the first few days of losing a a mum? And obviously, as you said, it's, it's not necessarily the first few days because you're running on that adrenaline and stress Mm. and just survival mode, but it's, it's the after that's actually more beneficial. Yeah, and I would say, you know, don't send flowers. If you actually want to help in those first few days and it's someone that you're really close to or even if you're not, even if it's a colleague, flowers die Yeah, and then they look yuck and then it's something we have to do to fix or we have to, you know, change the water. Yes. Yeah. Send food. Try to avoid saying, oh, what can I do for you? Or let me know if there's anything you can do. Just do it. Like get Uber Eats delivered, get 
frozen meals delivered, make them and deliver them, um, you know, be really proactive or also, you know, focus more so on the days, months and years to come beyond beyond that because that that's when it's hard, when, when normal everyday life resumes and you think everybody has forgotten. So staying yeah. in touch beyond those, I wouldn't even worry about those first few days. That's, That's my not, initial. Yeah, because you probably yeah. blank, like that, you probably blank, you know, just from the adrenaline, as you say, that it's Absolutely. not really, it's not really what counts. It's what, it's what after that counts. And that's how you know someone's actually a friend or yeah. thinking about you because they actually put in the effort afterwards as opposed to the initial yeah. first few days. And for both of those questions, I mean, we've got lots and lots of information on our Instagram page as well in our story highlights where we'll often engage um, our community by asking questions and then we share their responses. So you can really gain an insight from a, a grievous perspective um, that will help shape how you support or what you yeah. say and what you don't say. That's so great. Well, I just have a few more and it's our lightning round, which we normally do with um, the mum and daughter, but I, I would love the ones that you feel comfortable answering because I think it's nice, as you say, to still honour your mum and, and, and mm-hmm. have, talk about stories about her and yourself and, and your relationship. So you can go beyond one word if you feel like, though. One word <laughs> to describe your relationship when you were a teenager. Oh, I would say normal and typical. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like yeah. you were difficult, like as in just the normal kind of, you know, when you're going yeah. through that teenage phase that you kind of have those moments? Definitely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we had a lot of fun though as well, um, but I'm sure I was, aw- I, I know I was awful to her at times, which... I try not to be hard on yeah, myself. Yeah, no, you shouldn't. You can't. And it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's like a, it's a growing process. Everyone has to go through it. You always have to have those difficult times. You know, you can't, it can't always be smooth sailing. And exactly. when you add hormones in it, I and mean, that's just like another, you know, yeah, another, another thing. level. Yeah, another <laughs> level that you just don't need to think about. Um, what characteristics do you think you have of her? Um, I, cooking like great you know I love cooking so I have that passion um that she had I think she she was a real fixer like very practical and um yeah and I I have a lot of that in me and also just you know I, I think I'm very empathetic which she was definitely yeah and you probably feel like with MDA, you probably feel like you're fixing so many, fixing is probably the wrong word, but almost that kind of feeling that you obviously have from your mum as well is that you're able to help that grief process for so many yeah. people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What was the most memorable moment in your relationship? Uh, <laughs> it was when I was on my L's. And we just had a massive fight because she was telling me off what something I'm, I don't I don't remember what it was that I did wrong, but it was on this um, small, narrow, very very windy 
hillside road um, and it had lots of hairpin turns. Oh, no. And I just remember I was petrified of hairpin turns and she didn't tell me this particular road had them. And I was, why would you make me do this? No. And then I remember coming down and I'm like, I can see the other side of the road where I have to turn around the corner. And anyway, we were just absolutely pissing ourselves laughing. Um, and it just makes me so happy when I when I think of that because I'm so angry at her for making me do that. But we were just, it, yeah, it's just a really lovely, I mean, I've got, I've got lots of memorable um, moments with her, but that's one that I, I I think of often when I'm driving. Yeah, and you, you pro- it's probably it's a nice one to kind of always go back to because, as you said, it's yeah, you know, it's the unfortunately sometimes those last few weeks, if you know, it's a palliative care situation that you remember, which is just it's unfortunate because you almost want to push that aside yes and just remember them as the person that they were before yeah because that's that's the nicer that's memories who they were. yeah that's who they were exactly yeah yeah so that yeah that that definitely you know I can see her next to me and I can hear her laughing which is which is nice it's yeah, nice I'm that you, you can still hear that because I think that's really important it's the it's the voice that's I think yeah. that's the biggest thing and and I think like you said, it's a great thing to think about is recording someone's voice and, and those sorts for of sure. things because it's hard for your brain to kind of hold on to those yeah. those things. It is. Thankfully it is. with phones, as technology gets better, you have you have the access to that now more. But yeah. you know, also at the same time it's not something you think about on a day to day basis. No, not at all. And the last one, what is the best advice she gave you? Oh, she she would I used to get bullied at school quite badly. And she used to say to me, you know, who cares what others think? Um, and I used to hate her saying that to me. But the older I get, the the more and more I really practice that and I actually don't care what others think now. Um, and when I, you know, I really I really try and, and say that to myself, mm. you know, who, who cares? Like their life is not impacted by my decision. My life isn't impacted by theirs or, you know, I, I just, yeah, I, I think that the older you get though, that is something that you tend to care less about. You do and it's um, it's annoying. You wish you kind of had that in the beginning, you know, when you really feel like it matters. Like, you know, in teenage years, in high school, you really think that everyone's, you know, looking at you, but mm. actually they're not. They're more concerned yeah. about themselves. If they're lashing out at you or bullying, it's because they've got their own thing that they're trying to deflect from. But you can't see it at the time. It's really hard as it's you know, so hard. as a teenager, you can't. It's just yeah, it's your whole no. world. You think that that's you know that's all it is. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing she would say too, which is prominent now, is you know this too shall pass. Um, Such and great it always advice. does. It's it always true. does. Yeah, it's you know every, like life is every part of life is a phase. It's you know there's no constants, mm. and 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 I think that's a really great message to hold on to, especially now, is that 
yeah, yeah. this too shall pass. And and obviously, you know, in terms of grief, it's not like it ever goes away. But no. But at the same time, at least there are there are other people who can make it a bit lighter. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Well, Danielle, thank you so very much. I really, really appreciate it. It's it's made me well appreciate my mum. Very. I mean, I always do, but so much. And and for those who have their mums, just give them an extra hug mm-hmm. when you hear this. And um, don't forget the other motherless daughters out there that need that support on those, not just on their significant days, but every day. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Well, keep going with all the hard work and and we'll put a link to the website in the show notes because I think if, you know, anyone can help support motherless daughters, we really encourage that because I think what you're doing is such great work. So I hope everyone supports your hard work. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have a mother and daughter story that you would like to share, send us a DM on Instagram at Mothers and Daughters Pod. If you loved this episode, please subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss a new episode. Spread the love and share the podcast with your mum or sister or friend. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. See you next week and don't forget to call your mum.